Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Football Social Daily. Premier League Update. Hello, this is Football Social Daily, the only daily podcast with an 100% Premier League focus. If you want to keep up to date with the best league in the world, this is the place to do it. I'm Jim Salverson. I've got Adam Brown over there. Hello. Fergal Brennan over there. Hello. And on the way on today's podcast, we're going to be talking England. They're in Prague ahead of the Euro 2020 qualifier against the Czech Republic. We'll take a look at who's going to come out on top of that match. There is a racism storm brewing ahead of England's next game against Bulgaria already on Monday night, but it's not the kind of racism storm that you might imagine. We'll talk about that in a bit as well. And there are rumours flying that Everton boss Marco Silva is reaching the end of his tenure in Liverpool. We'll be taking a closer look there and at some of the other gossip buzzing around the Premier League right now. But first, we've had another review. It's always nice to get (laughs) reviews from listeners. If you want to leave one, you might get a shout out on the podcast. Make sure it's five stars. You can do that wherever you listen to your podcasts. So are you ready for this one? We'll do it first. This is from Thorson Guildcrest, who is a listener in Ireland. And he says, can't pronounce foreign names. Victims of the English comprehensive school system. Wow! 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 I think he's got us. Yeah, yeah. I think he's. I think he's yeah, that's that's us in a nutshell. Did we all go to comps just to make Actually, sure? I, 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 yeah, I, yeah, I went yeah. to grammar school. I love did you know. You? Yeah, 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 yeah. I did. I did. So he's wrong. Uh, <laughs> you should say. Listen to today's podcast where we can listen to grammar school graduate Adam Brown. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So can we please make an effort to pronounce names right today? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So much pressure on me and, now as well. Speak in an accent that Thorson Guildcrest would find acceptable as well. My um, word. Right, well, before we get on to the England's game, England game where we all pronounce, can pronounce the word England. That's your comprehensive school yeah, coming through. it is, it is. Um, it's a big day for Adam, because Adam hosts the Excess Manchester Breakfast Show, which is a breakfast show in Manchester. You can listen to it on the radio, on the internet, and all that kind of thing. And he did something pretty special today for charity. So go on, Adam, tell us a little bit about it quickly. Yeah, so uh, myself and uh, my colleague Joe, who's the producer of the show, we uh, we raced a tram through Manchester, which is, uh, <laughs> when that's the opening line, it's a bit, a bit strange. 
sentence to say. <laughs> yeah, so there's a, a train station in Manchester, the main one, Piccadilly Station. We, uh, we got off a tram there and we had to run through the city centre and get back on the same tram which we left at Deansy at Castlefield, which is a couple of stops down the line. So... Uh, Oh, there's a video online if you want to check it out. It's on uh, Twitter. You can find it on go on YouTube. Just type in Man vs Tram 2 and you can see it. We've done it for a charity, a, a great cause, which helps local charities up here in Manchester. So go and check it out. I won't ruin it to say if we did it or not, but have a look at the video and make your own mind up. <clears throat> and there's links there if people want to watch the video and donate and stuff as well. Absolutely. Go and do it. Go and do that now. Right, let's talk England. Facing the Czech Republic tonight in a Euro 2020 fixture. It's an easy-ish qualifying group and England are doing very well in it so far, you kind of try and look for potential banana skins, and the Czech Republic are second in the group, which would suggest they could be that banana skin. But at the same time, when it was the return leg, when they played at England's home, it was 5-0. It looks like it's going to be another decent, easy-ish win for England, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think, I think the um, you know the, the mentality that we have now um, for, for for England when it comes to qualifiers, there used to always be a little bit of a fear and a worry that we'd scrape through or there'd be a, a you know we'd, we'd always get a horrible one old or two old draw or something like that. But I feel like one thing that Southgate's really done, and to an extent Hodgson before him, um, we, I feel like we go in with loads of confidence, bags mm. of confidence. We don't fear anyone. Or, or we've got quite an easy qualifying group this time. But if this is probably the biggest test of the group for me, I can't see anything other than England winning. Certainly for the last fifteen years or. So England have been very solid in qualifiers. It's been ages since they've lost a qualifier. But now there seems to be more of a confidence than maybe there was under Fabio Capello when it would be that 1-0, 1-0, 1-0 kind of result. And even Sven, to an extent, we'd get the odd kind of freak result where we'd get a 4-5-0 or whatever. We'd put quite a few goals past the team. But there's still always like that underlying fear that... These lesser teams, especially you know, somehow, you get, yeah, they might just get a bit of a, a scrappy goal or an early goal against England. That was what we always used to concede an early one, and then we'd be chasing the game a little bit. Then, and your game plan goes out the window, doesn't it? Really, when yeah. if, if, the, if you let an early goal in. But I think we've by and large stopped that. I know we've had a couple of issues, uh, you know, you know, a couple of qualifiers ago. But I think I can't see anything other than an England win tonight for me. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, there's there's always pressure in these situations. But what I think Southgate has done very well is he's changed the type of pressure. I think in the past, as you say, Capello, Sven right the way up to Hodgson before Southgate, there was this semblance of England fans almost not wanting England to lose, but it was like, yeah, the pressure's going to be too much for them. The pressure, mm. watch out for that pressure, mm. watch out for that pressure. <laughs> Whereas now, mm. I think it's a case of Southgate saying, well, the pressure that's on you now is go and prove that you are this good. Mm. I'm telling you that you are this good, that you should be in the latter stages of tournaments. Go and prove that. Rather than this kind of bizarre self-fulfilling prophecy pressure that they used to have of, it's going to get you, it's going to get you, it's going to get you. Now it's, Use this pressure to go and motivate yourselves, just like you would for your clubs, just like your club managers say to you, go and use that pressure to win a Premier League title or win a Champions League title. We do know that defensively England can be prone to a mistake, slightly vulnerable at the back. We saw against Kosovo, yep. who scored three in the end in that really great 5-3 game, which was an absolute belter of a game. You're good in your European football Fergal, who out of this Czech Republic team might cause issues? Uh, I mean, to be honest, I'm going to go for a very, very boring one, which kind of follows on with with what Adam said about this kind of idea that things might get a bit sticky and might get a bit difficult for England. And I'm actually going to go for the the Czech Republic goalkeeper, Thomas Vaklik, who plays for Sevilla in in Spain. And I know that might be a bit of a boring shout, but we're not talking about a Czech Republic side that, you know, remember from the 90s with Proborski or or Schmitzer or someone like that. They they haven't got that level of individual. So I'm going to go for a, a bit of a boring shout 
unfortunately. I'm going to go for the goalie, Vaklik, who's been really, really good for Sevilla so far this season. Uh, he's been first choice for them for the last 18 months. And he's somebody that, almost similar to, to Jan Oblak, who plays for Atletico Madrid, where he might not be a name that rolls off the tongue where you think of the top goalkeepers across Europe, but he's a real, real consistent performer. He's very good for Sevilla, keeps a lot of clean sheets for them. He's going to get them probably back into the top four this season. So I think this is a case for England where, again, that word pressure is going to be on England. It's going to be on the, the front three. It's going to be on Harry Kane to get the goals, to beat Czech Republic. Because as you say, mm. a win is a win is what is expected. But he's a, he's a really, really top performer, Vaklik. Up against a fearsome front three for England, likely to be Sterling, Sancho and Kane, you'd expect as the front three. I'd like to see Tammy Abraham starting personally, but I don't think that'll be the case. There was an interesting article on the BBC website up today, which talked about the England front three being the best in world football at the moment. And (coughs) I saw that headline and I went, yeah, right, England are the best front three in world football. And you look at the underlying stats and how many goals those three are scoring in their leagues at the moment. And they are a terrifying prospect. Have England got the most fearsome attack of any nation, not just in Europe, in the world right now? I tell you what, if you get all three of them firing all cylinders, I don't see why it couldn't be. I think it's got to be up there, hasn't it? I mean, like I say, the the, the stats aren't lying, but it's about... It's difficult with international football because it's about getting them... the game time to play together that's the issue isn't it I suppose because you can talk about individuals and you can say well actually you know if we look at you know Brazil they might have you know they they could put a three together that'd be great but you've got to get them playing together and you've got to get them having an understanding because obviously the way that you know Sterling plays at City is very different to the way that Kane's set up at Tottenham for example or whatever so but I think on on you know from an individual perspective I don't see why not I mean if you if you're an opposition manager and you see those three you're going to go yeah. there's goals there yeah. we're going to be we're going to be stretched they've got pace they've got these these every element that you're going to want in your front line there really I 120 think. goals the three of them have scored since the beginning of the 2018-2019 season which is ahead of Argentina Belgium France Brazil Uruguay Portugal well ahead of everyone <laughs> essentially yeah, which is an insane amount of goals when we look at who potentially comes down that list who holds a candle to that front three at the moment? Like we say, you've got Kane, Sancho, Sterling, you've yep. potentially got Abrahams coming into that, who this season is on fire in terms of goal scoring at the moment. Last night we saw Belgium become the first team to make it through to the Euro 2020. They have now qualified. They've got Hazard, Mertens, Lukaku. That's pretty decent. That's good. Yeah. I think when you look at, as you say, it, it comes down to names versus results. Mm. And I think what England have got, as, as Jim said, th- those numbers are frightening when you think of the goals that these these three have scored at club level. It's a bit of a catch-22 for them because I think in terms of system and in terms of consistency, I think they're actually ahead of almost everyone else. But the issue that comes to pass in terms of international footballers, as Adam mentioned, is performing in tournaments. Now, if we look back at the, at the, uh, the World Cup, it was Kane, really, that was getting goals. Obviously, Sancho wasn't there. You know, mm. he's he's come on leaps and bounds since he's moved to Dortmund. But Sterling, I thought Sterling performed really, really well in the World Cup and, and got a lot of unfair criticism. Mm. But in terms of his goal return, it wasn't on par with someone like Antoine Griezmann for France, who went on to win it. And I think that's where there's a little bit of a gap. When you look at that Belgium team, I think England actually have a better front, front three, you know, we're not going to get too deep into Manchester United chat, which which we love to do on the podcast. But Lukaku doesn't have this nearly the same level of consistency as Kane. And I would say in terms of goals now, club level doesn't have the same as Sterling. The only player in that team that I think would potentially get in for England would be Hazard. But based on the start he's had at Madrid, possibly not. 
Chelsea's Hazard, yeah. Mm. So I, I think when you look at Belgium, I think they're ahead of it. And I think in terms of names, you might say Argentina, but you look at the issues they've had in terms of getting that cohesion together. So for me, it's, it's England and France probably would be, yeah. would be level pegging. <laughs> it was yeah. interesting to see Hazard last night, actually, with the nine-goal thrashing of San Marino that Belgium had. It didn't get on the score sheet, came off in the 67th minute. You wonder whether his move to Real Madrid is going to pan out quite as maybe many people intended in the first place you think about Belgium as well is that you know and I mentioned before about getting the players playing together I feel like that Belgium team has been playing together for a long time yep. they've had a lot of, quite a few tournaments together now a lot of qualifying campaigns together they know each other's games inside mm-hmm. out they're all relatively similar ages there's yeah, only yep. a couple of years in that that big group of, like, group of players that came through at the same time so you feel they kind of maybe have that over England but I think individually we are head and shoulders above them. I hadn't is... clocked that Belgium are now the number one ranked team in the yeah, world. Yeah. I didn't realise they were top of the FIFA rankings. Yeah, well, that's a strange... It's always a strange and it interesting is, yeah. read that where you're just like, <laughs> how, are you, how are they here? Yeah. How are they here? What's mm. happened here? But, yeah. Uh, finally on England, Mason Mount looks like he's going to get a start. Good start for Chelsea this season. Two goals in four games. It's nice to see for any England fan, isn't it? We always get excited when the young players get a start and Southgate has brought that to England and also he's stuck by his word in terms of players that are in form seem to be getting a shout. Yeah, I like that. I've, I like that about him because we've had a few managers in the past who've <coughs> said they'll do that and then just not done it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You, you've got a whole new place in the squad and then they just call up a player that you just think, right, I've been back from... Yeah, yeah. apart from Gerald and Lampard. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, 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 no matter what. But back from injury a week and, then, you know, not played in the straight in the squad. Um, but yeah, I like that about him. I think Mason Mount has earned his place in the squad. I mean, you mentioned Abraham before as well. I'd love to see him do something. Yeah. I'd love to see him get a, get a proper shot because I've been really impressive in this season. Do you He's, think this Lampard revolution at Chelsea could end up helping England in a certain way. In, in fact, the transfer ban that Chelsea have got helping England because you've got Abrahams, Mount, Tamori, all in the England squad, all getting regular first-team football at one of the top six clubs. Yeah. And that's got to be a positive yeah. thing, isn't it? And there's it? potentially more. There's, you know, Hudson-Odoi, there's even Loftus-Cheek yeah. who could come back from injury. So the, I think it could be only, only could be a good thing. Um, obviously, Lampard's going to get a lot of credit. And a lot of people have been quite cynical. I, I've been chatting to some people and they said, oh yeah, well, he's only played him because he can't sign players. I said, well, yeah, but... He is playing him ahead of players he's already got in the squad. Exactly. You know, Abraham's been picked above Giroud, Giroud for example. Batshuayi. Who, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, but and you know, Batshuayi obviously came on the other week and scored, so he's re- he's ready to play. You know, Batshuayi, but he's put Abraham there ahead of him. Mason Mount. He's got other options. You look at Chelsea's bench week in week out. There's experienced players there. Yeah. You think. You know, maybe the, he could play ahead of Mason Mount, mm. but credit to Lampard, he's done it. And look at they've got in the England squad, and I think it's only could be a good thing. And he said a few weeks ago, with with regard to Tamori, that Antonio Rudiger's almost back, fully fit, and, and expected to come back in. And he said that Tamori's his first choice at centre back, so he's he's back in these things. And and I agree that it will be beneficial for England in terms of these players getting minutes at a, at a top four, well, top six, top four side. Um, but I also think it might benefit England, but it probably won't benefit Lampard in the in the longer, longer term. Because eventually, when it it comes to trophies in the cabinet and and Champions League football, whether they're able to do that over the course of a season might not be the case. Well, it depends how those players develop, and then whether he can add to that with experienced talent, I suppose, and build a team that kind of makes yeah, sense as well. But it's well. whether Chelsea have the the faith to stick with him during yes. that, yeah, which Abramovich is not known for. Yeah, <laughs> and I think I mean I mean I think generally the fans are quite. Happy with it. I mean, yeah. the, the hands are kind of tied oh, yeah. in, in, in a sense. Chelsea fans are buzzing at the yeah, moment. Yeah, which and the thing is, I tell you what, when you when you bring injuries youngsters into the team, I mean, as a Man City fan, there's not very many opportunities where we've done that in the past mm. couple of years, apart from Phil Foden. But you know, like for United, for example, not in the team, Adam, not yeah. on the bench. Oh yeah, 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 exactly right. <laughs> no, but, you know, but like for United, for example, look at you know the last couple of games, and they've got a lot. It's great academy graduates, but I just feel like the Chelsea. 
young players, they're at an unbelievable level already. Mm. And whether or not that's the various loans they've been out on or whatever, and you know that's been part of the plan. You know, maybe it has been, but the level of the players they've got, the youngsters, yeah. a lot have been playing the Premier League for years. Some of them, yeah, yeah, completely. We're not done with England yet. We're going to talk more about the game versus Bulgaria in a moment and the racism storm that has emerged around that. We'll get onto that next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily, Premier League updates. Welcome back to Football Social Daily from the Sports Social. Don't forget you can get our Sports Social Alexa skill where you can get daily team updates on every single Premier League team as well as full match reports. Obviously not this weekend because there's no Premier League games, but when there are games you can get them as well. All you need to do to find that is say Alexa Open Sports Social and have a play around and see what you can find. Let's finish off this England chat by talking about the next game after tonight's game against the Czech Republic, which is against Bulgaria. Bit of attention around racism before a ball has even been kicked, or rather accusations of racism. So Tammy Abrahams gave an interview and he said, if there is racist chanting in the game, we are likely to walk off the pitch. Mm-hmm. To which the <laughs> Bulgarian FA chief has kind of taken exception to that and going, hang on, we haven't done anything wrong yet. You can't accuse are fans of being racist without evidence. You could say there was evidence because the game, the England game, is going to be played (laughs) in a partially closed stadium due to racist chanting. But on one hand, it's not the kind of discussions you won't be having ahead of a game because it does distract from the game itself. On the other hand, you can kind of see the point from both sides, can't you here? I think the the point from Abraham's uh, perspective is I think, and again, this is this is credit to Southgate that he's actually had a mature conversation behind closed doors with the squad and said after X amount of incidents of this happening because you know this has happened involving England players over the last decade and, yeah. and going back even further. Um, what is the situation? How? And I think what Southgate's done is he said, what do you feel is the best thing to do? Because in the past, the FA have dictated policy or the England manager's dictated policy. He has sat down with his players and said. I am not in a position to lecture you about what you constitute to be racist or excessively Mm -hmm. racist behaviour. I am going to leave that decision in your hands because you're a better place to judge this than I am. And I think that's what's come about. I don't think this is is a brand new thing. I think this has taken stages and discussions to reach this point. And the fact that Abraham has come out and been clear and said that it's not a case of I'll walk off if I hear it or I'll walk off if abuse is directed towards me. He said the squad have collectively made this decision, which I think is, is the best approach. I see what you're saying with regards to the Bulgarian um, comments of you know being labelled as all racist and labelling all Bulgaria fans as that. But as you said, the, the proof is definitely in the pudding. You're playing in front of a half-full <laughs> stadium due to racist chanting. And it's not the first time that Bulgaria have been sanctioned by UEFA for exactly this type of thing. So, I, I mean, listen, we all sit here and we all hope that this doesn't come to pass. But th- my opinion on this is that I almost think this has to happen sooner rather than later because we've consistently seeing that fines are way below the grade in terms of the the issues that they're concerning and that stadium bans or partial stadium closures haven't really worked. There needs to be something that changes this the, the, the complexion of this argument in order for it to move on. Yeah, I agree. I mean, fines, you know, it, it's going to hit uh, the NFA really, isn't it? I suppose rather than you know, it, it, the fans aren't going to hit the fans directly as such. No, it needs to be something that is probably going to. We had this discussion yesterday because the next Wolverhampton Wanderers away game in Europe will be played behind closed yeah. doors because fines have had no 
Slovakia, I think it is, and there's yep. been no impact. Uh, Brat- uh, Slovenia, Bratislava, yeah. yeah. So you, you, yeah. So the fines don't affect the people who are like the perpetrators, the kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah in yeah. a weird way. I mean, it's, it, in theory, it would be hitting the FA or a league or whoever else it is, you know, um, sort of a governing body, if you if you will. But for me, it's like also, like you say, closing a stadium for a game or for two games, whatever. Well, two games later, they just go back to the stadium and do it again. You mm. know, and I just think that, like you say, I think something fundamental needs to happen. And I actually like the fact that Southgate has put the power into the players' hands. Yeah, I think completely. that's brilliant. And I think that it's actually testament to show how much the players respect him and how much he trusts the players to do the right thing as well you know I, I used to always think that the FA uh, in England the England team felt it was kind of not a nice atmosphere it yeah. was very micromanaged and it was well don't say this and don't put this on social media yeah. and very you know, stuffy very yeah, kind of this yeah. is very stilted yeah. yeah and I think you know and it's very reactive to, <clears> to things and now I feel like Southgate has been like a breath of fresh air for the team for the team and the squad a lot more open you feel like you know the players a little bit more you know about them you see the mm. personalities and I think actually this could be a really good turning point and if it happens more power to him do you know what I mean credit to him I think something needs to happen to fundamentally change some people's attitudes and it's always difficult for three white blokes in the radio studio to talk about something as <laughs> tricky and yeah. as sensitive as racism and yeah. Southgate himself has kind of called that in his decision to go yeah, look absolutely. I can't make this yeah. decision for you what I did think and I found myself torn I'll be very honest here when I saw Tammy Abraham's interview saying we're going to walk off of those racist chanting. My kind of reaction was there's a chance that could encourage racist chanting. And I was like, is that a sensible move? But at the same part, I was conflicted by going, well, it's not something that you want to kind of avoid. It's not something that you want to circumnavigate. It needs to be addressed if there is an issue there. It's a really sensitive situation. And I think you're right. If there is this event, if there is this moment where England players walk off the pitch one of the big influences on how that is received will be how our tabloid newspapers report that incident which will be incredibly interesting and, and, what, and what do they do if it does happen do you know what I mean what happens yeah. to the game it gets postponed but then what do they, is it a replay yeah. do they, is it a well, result there, will England forfeit I don't, I don't understand I'd say probably be a replay at a neutral venue yeah. would be but again, there's no we're, precedent, isn't exactly, That's exactly what we're, we're on. We're on uncharted territory there. We, we don't know what, what, what would happen. But I, to, just so quickly to take Jim's point of potentially encouraging further racist behaviour, I do think, and I agree with Jim, that was, that was a thought that ran through my head of if people, if you're of the mindset where you think it's acceptable to go to a football ground and make racist comments and racist chants, yeah. then even a walk-off isn't going to change your mind. In fact, it's probably going to... might fall, look like a victory. might yeah. even deepen what you're doing. But, the you know, the the... the the prior steps that have been taken by UEFA, by individual FAs, haven't worked. There needs to be a progression on this. And I think, again, we look at these situations, in reality, along with, you know, their racist activity, the only other thing that racist at football matches actually care about is the team. Mm. So if you start affecting the team, because as, as Adam said, they're not bothered about the FA being fined, it doesn't affect their pocket. The team potentially missing out on qualification or missing out on progress may see, in a, see a change in this. I don't think it'll be immediate and I do agree with Jim that it, there's the potential that it'll deepen it but there has to be a next step on the road. Yeah. And at the end of the day if you think this behaviour is acceptable you just need to stop being a complete racist bell end. Yeah. And get yeah, up. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Sort yeah, yeah. it out. Yeah. Uh, right, let's move on. Jim for your way for president. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Everton because Marco Silva it's being reported in the star today is three games away from losing his job. He's in the relegation zone. It's not looking good at the moment at Everton. Do we think he's going to be the first manager sacked? 
Well, the uh, maybe the the myth of uh, Marco Silva being a great manager is finally <laughs> finally coming yeah. to. He'll, he'll, yep. get, he'll get another big oh, job cool. somewhere. Yeah, of course he will. Yeah, go back to Watford. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or if Solskjaer, let's say we'll get back. He's got a great <laughs> record, Mark. His record's never been good. I'd never understood the force. I, you know, I used to think it's because he looked pretty stylish that yeah. season at Watford, and everyone was like, "Oh, that's a nice coat. He must know what he's doing." Yeah. Oh my God, I know. I've never understood the fuss about the guy. I genuinely, he spent a hell of a lot of money at Everton. He had a good record prior to coming to England and then he did all right with Hull but they got relegated they got relegated yeah, yeah. that's the thing <laughs> but, <laughs> but no no but like I know what you mean but they were going to get relegated anyway I think yeah, yeah, yeah. so they're already they got them good relegated rather than bad relegated <laughs> that's what they were yeah, but I think they were already on the downward slope and it was yeah. kind of too late by the, time he, by the time he came in and he made an all right start at Watford at the time didn't he I think he was kind of he played a little bit of flamboyant football and mm. I don't know it just for me it just seemed he did alright in Watford until Everton were interested <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, that was and then it, it yeah. kind of all yeah, fell yeah, apart yeah. and then he went to Everton and it's kind of all gone wrong there um, Everton it's for me they, they should be doing a lot better than they are um, I do think a lot of the fans have sort of checked out on him now I don't, I don't think that yeah. he's got the support of the fans I think he's lost them they spent a hell of a lot of money um, I think they've got a lot of good players in the squad they've just got to get a manager in there who knows how to get you know, get them doing what they can well, do I think there would have been pressure on Marco Silva anyway this season yeah. if they were outside the top six yeah. that's where Everton want to be and the fact they're in the relegation zone that pressure must be tenfold and it's very difficult to see another manager with the exception of maybe Solskjaer that is under as much pressure at the moment yeah, I'd agree. And when you look at the situation, when we go back to the managerial problems that Everton have had in recent seasons, the concern for me with regards to Everton is that just like when they got rid of Kuman and brought in Allardyce, that the logic will now flick back to, as it did then, panic. We're in the relegation zone. Shit, what are we going to do? Mm. Uh, uh, we'll get in. And I'm not going to say Allardyce is going to come back. David, David Moyes. I, exactly. <laughs> I worry for who that potential list of candidates is going to be mm. based on who will want to manage Everton and the mentality of, right, we need it because as much as people say, Oh, Everton have moved on and they've spent money and Silver's come in and blah 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 blah. The mentality still remains behind the scenes of if they can react by panic sacking Kuman and bringing in Sam Allardyce, David Unsworth, and then Sam Allardyce. Sorry, I think that that's going to be the thought process here again, and that's only going to set Everton back another couple of seasons. I do think, as, as Adam said, Everton are perfectly entitled to demand more and expect to be in and around that conversation for Europa League places. But this goes back to the source, and I've said this on the podcast a number of times, what was the point in bringing Silver in? What was his way of playing at Watford? What was his thing? He didn't seem to have a particularly good style. This isn't like if Santo left Wolves, we've seen the proof of what he can yeah. do with a side and what he would potentially bring to a better side. Silver didn't really demonstrate that, and he hasn't demonstrated that at Everton. I, I know a lot of Evertonians, I speak to them on a daily basis and they do say that along the similar lines we you know we like him we like potentially what he represents but we don't know what that is what's the project? We don't, we, what is the bigger project what's what's the end game what's our what's the Everton way of playing and what's happened now when you don't have an identity and when you don't have a, a, a system that's able to just kind of go right we need to knuckle down here and we need to eke out some results get out of the bottom three get out of the bottom half of the table then that causes problems and I just think Everything about the situation, you look at him on the sideline, you look at his body language, he knows, he knows what's going on. And we're looking at the games here, the, the next three games, as you say, they've got West Ham at home, Brighton away, and then ironically Watford mm. in the League Cup. Prior to the start of the season, you'd say there's a good chance of Everton picking up a number of points there. You're up against your your uh, your boys West Ham, yep. who are on fire. Uh, I know they haven't got the, the great... Well, I'm fine in comparison to Everton. Yes. Uh, they haven't got the greatest away record in the world, but they're playing much better than Everton at the moment. Brighton, 
we'll have to kind of wait and see how they fare after the international break. And then Watford. Watford would love nothing more than going to Goodison Park and getting him sacked. Well, I think this is what adds a little bit of credence to this story as well, because we've often seen headlines saying this manager has this many games to save his job. When you look at those three fixtures... And as you say, if you what if you were going to pick three games to save your job, yeah. they wouldn't be far off the three games you'd pick. And losing those three games would be hugely significant in as to how yeah, yeah. Everton will do the season. I, I just think as well, wh- where do they go from from here? Because um, like I was saying then, you, you sort of they chop and change that much that it's very hard to have an identity as a as a, as a club and also as a team. So if they if they make the decision to get rid of Marco Silva and then. You know the the names are going to be kicking about, aren't they? We're going to we're going to see the, the David, old boys club, David Moyes, Mark Hughes, Alan Partridge. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? The yeah, same. Yeah. Also, but you I think it's Alan Partridge there. Yeah, 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 <laughs> Better choice. Yeah, it would me. <laughs> he never gets a job. Yeah, yeah, no, but, you know, I think to myself, well, you bring one of those guys in. You've got the Marco Silva. You know, we signed flair players or whatever. You know, he's got a, you know, seven number tens there, yeah. at Everton. And you think, well, where do they go from there? Is that just a stopgap to the end of the season where they get another manager in with a different idea? I, I mean. I don't know who the the ideal candidate would be. Would they would who would take the job? Do you look at someone else in the Premier League and go, "We're going to try and get Sean Dyche"? Mm. I would personally think maybe that might be a good move for Everton. Do they try and get Eddie Howe? I don't think he'd go. Let but, me throw let me throw sorry. a name at you and wrap, we can wrap up with this sort of managerial chat with a recent story that came out that Leon are currently <clears> on the hunt for a new manager. Supposedly approached Jose Mourinho. He turned it down. Supposedly, according to Leon's president, because he's already got a new gig. Agreed. Jose Mourinho at Everton. I, uh, I'd be, <clears throat> I'd be very surprised, but I think he'd be a fantastic choice for Everton. Um, I think you know, obviously the situation of how he left United, etc. Yeah, I think maybe his his powers have been blunted a little bit, and he does seem to be kind of almost swallowing up in his own personality. Mm. But he's still an excellent manager, and Everton as a club to have someone like. Jose Mourinho would almost be akin to when they got Samuel Eto'o in on a short-term deal. Like Jose Mourinho is one of the most successful managers of the last few decades. To have him managing at Goodison Park would be huge. Whether or not he would be interested, I think again with with Mourinho, he is a manager that demands money. And yet everyone keeps talking about this thing of Silva spent money over the summer. Mourinho will be asking for double that mm. from from Mashiri and from from Kenwright. Whether Everton will be able to match that, I don't be necessarily a think so. Of intent, that, It'd be huge. It? Mm. But this is what we're talking about. We're talking about Silva and saying, "Oh, that was a statement of intent of where we want to be and buying these players and blah 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 blah." Well, that that isn't a statement. That's that's like a half statement. Mm. Mourinho coming in is a statement. It doesn't seem like a massively <clears throat> logical fit, Mourinho and Everton. But at the same time, now we know what we know about Manchester United. The job he did there looks to be more impressive than maybe he was judged to have done at the time. He made that statement afterwards that finishing second was the highlight of his career. Actually, that doesn't look too too far (laughs) off the pace now. But I think he's probably hurting about the Premier League as well. I think he wants another go. Yeah. Whether Everton's the right vehicle for that, I don't know, but I could see him making a return. And that is, sorry, I was say, and that is the case. When the famous interview a few weeks ago, when he was he was talking very cryptically, when he's got looked like someone just stopped him walking down the street. It, it was all very bizarre. Um, and he does. He has that look about him that he is unfinished business. That he's annoyed about how things ended at United. Um, and just just sorry, just to go back to Dice very very quickly. I think that was the situation with Everton when Silva came in. Is they saw this situation of oh, with a new Everton, we're going to do this and we're going to do this. And you see the way fans have treated players that have been there for a long time, the likes of Seamus Coleman, Leighton Baines, various others that come in for huge criticism because there's this vision of oh, we're with a new Everton now. Well, the new Everton are in the bottom three with a manager who doesn't really know where he's going, and that's where I think the whole Dice thing crashed and burned because 
they, they were pretty much in a situation where is it going to be Dyche or is it going to be Silver? And they looked at Dyche and they 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 thought they were above that. Mm. And he's proven in his time in the past with Burnley and now with Burnley that if anything he is above Everton. Mm. Yeah, I think I would have gone for Dyche at the time. Mm. I think it'd have been he was. I think they turned the nose up at him. So do I. I think it'd have gone as well at that point. I really do. Um, and just quickly about Mourinho, um, just finally, I could see him coming back to the Premier League, but I can see him going to Spurs. Ooh, there we go. When Poch goes, I can see that happening. Fergal, Adam, thank you very much for no problem, joining us on Football Social Daily. There'll be another one of these tomorrow. It's normally the Premier League preview, but obviously there are no Premier League games, so we'll be deep diving on a couple of Premier League issues instead. If you hit subscribe on this podcast, you'll get that as soon as it's ready. It'll just appear in your podcasting app, whether it's CastBox or Acast or Apple Podcasts or however you listen, and we'll see you next time on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily, Premier League updates. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.